You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. You know, I think it's going to be a great year for for gold and gold mining stocks. I think I think silver is going to especially shine brightly, as it were, in 2020. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm Bill Powers, your host. Thank you for tuning in. If you want to engage the show with questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me at bill at miningstockeducation.com. Well, we'll be speaking with mining fund manager Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics today. Dave is also the editor of the Mining Stock Journal and the co-producer of the Mining Stock Daily podcast with Trevor Hall. But first, I'd like to thank Lumina Gold for sponsoring this show. Lumina recently closed a $9 million financing in which mining legend Ross Beatty bought over half of it. Ross controls now about 20% of this company. Lumina is advancing the 13th largest undeveloped gold deposit in the world and the largest primary gold gold deposit in Ecuador. Its project contains almost 17 million ounces of gold in the indicated and inferred categories and has substantial copper byproduct credits. To learn more, go to luminagold.com and you can find the company under the ticker LUM in Toronto and under the ticker LMGDF in New York. So Dave, welcome back to Mining Stock Education. Happy New Year. And as you survey the junior mining sector, uh, what gets you excited right now? 2020 gets me excited, Bill. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for having me back on. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be, knock on wood, but I think it's going to be an exciting year for, for precious metals investors. And I think that the run-up that we've seen in the price of gold since July is, is I mean, that's just for starters. And, it, uh, you know, it's not going to go in a straight line. It's not like Apple stock or tech stocks. Um, but the precious metal sector does benefit extraordinarily from from the just the record level of money printing that's going on right now at the Fed. And uh, in fact, you could argue that the price of gold, which started taking off in July, likely that was the market, you know, telegraphing that that the Fed was going to have to restart QE and abandon hiking interest rates this year or at the end of 2019, which obviously that's how it played out. So. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a great year for, for gold and gold mining stocks. I think it's potentially, you know, again, everything I say on here is contingent on, you know, rising prices in gold and silver. You know, it's not guaranteed, but I think I think silver is going to especially shine brightly, as it were, in 2020. When you look at, uh, I believe a couple of years ago, you talked on this show about John Brimlow's gold jottings and the Hulbert Gold Newsletter Sentiment Index. What are you observing in those two uh, resources? Right, right. Okay. So um, currently, the Hulbert Gold Sentiment Newsletter Sentiment Index is at a, at a very high level. It's run up quite a bit in the last, really just the last four weeks. And it's, I think the latest reading is like 60. It got up to 65 lat MP4 earlier this week or late last week. And usually when it gets over, say, 55 or 60, it, it's there's a correlation there with a, a sell-off or a pullback in the sector. So by that measure, and we have, we've run up a lot in, in the sector. I mean, uh, you know, I've got some junior stocks that I recommend and that are in our our fund that have doubled in the last three to three to five months. So um, there was one stock that that 
basically tripled since I was pounding the table on it below 10 cents. And, and one of my subscribers asked me if, if they should take profits or, or let it ride. And I was like, look, man, you, you got it. You got almost a triple in this thing. At least take your investment out and let the rest ride for free. I mean, anytime any stock goes up 300% or close to 300%, I think you got to take some money off the table because there's going to be a natural pullback, even if it's just technical. So, um, uh, what is really kind of mind blowing to me right now though, is the, is the rapid run up in the open interest in, in COMEX gold futures. So I guess for me, what's the most staggering number that I look at and, you know, connected to the gold market right now is, is the incredible run up in COMEX gold contract open interest. It's, it's almost at 800,000 contracts after jumping 14,000 contracts on Tuesday. So you're talking about there's almost 80 million ounces of paper gold outstanding on the COMEX versus 8 million ounces or 8.6 million ounces of, of gold that is allegedly held in the COMEX vaults. And of that, 1.3 million ounces, and these numbers are as of Tuesday, 1.3 million ounces have been designated as available for delivery. So you're looking at a situation <laughs> where a derivative contract represents almost 70 times the amount in terms of paper gold of the amount of physical gold that exists on the COMEX. And there's never been any futures market in the history of the universe where the, the, the difference between the open interest and in future contracts and the amount of underlying physical that's that's available for delivery has has um, existed. This this is just I mean, this is outright. It's, it's a fraudulent market at this point, and it's, it's just kind of laughable. Um, I have no idea how that thing's going to resolve, but um, it, it's. <laughs> It really speaks to the effort that's being put in put in, in right now into the market and to try and um, slow down the, the rate of rise in the price of gold. And eventually it's going to backfire on them. And they can't necessarily contain it fully because there was an article out I read within the last week that said, I believe it was in 2010, that even though the commercials had their short positions in place, gold rose, like oh, I think it was 50% or something while the commercials maintained this large short position. So, I mean, do, how can the average person that's just trying to make a buck, trying to time when to en enter maybe a junior mining stock, how can they take the data of the commitment of traders and use it, you know, to, to time when they enter and exit positions? Well, that's a whole other issue. Um, but just, you brought up 2010. I mean, the open interest peaked back then at about 650,000 contracts. And, and that was occurring at a time when the price of gold was at a lower lower price before the run-up. The open interest started actually going down in that final run-up to 1900. So, and, and right now the open interest in paper gold is about double the long-term average open interest over say the last 10 years. I mean, it's, it's, just, <laughs> it, it's, it's just a farcical market at this point. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, and that's actually a really good question because, you know, and I see it a lot with my subscribers is, is people agonize over, you know, a few cents between the bid and the ask or when they're going to enter a, an idea or when they should exit. And I mean, <laughs> quite frankly, 
I mean, you can try and time the market if you want, but, um, you know, with these juniors, in, in terms of, I mean, a junior exploration stock is basically an option on the future potential of the property, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at, you know, it's referred to as the optionality of a project, or I, I call it the optionality of the stock. You know, I mean, you know, these a lot of them trade at 20 cents. I mean, that's a, that's a way out of the money stock option, and that's the way you got to look at it. So it, it reflects the the expected value of the property or the probability that a discovery is going to be made. And you're talking about stocks that have, you know, under $50 million in market cap. And if, if a discovery is made and it's, it's a significant discovery, you know, eventually that's the type of stock that can, you know, have a hundred million, 200 million, $300 million market cap. I mean, Silvercrest metals started out with, uh, Again, I don't remember how many shares were outstanding, but um, you know, it was 16 cents, and the market cap was probably around 25 million back in the beginning of 2016 when I first recommended it, and now it's got close to a 700 million dollar market cap. And that all, you know, that all they've been doing this time is drilling and making discoveries on the properties. So, um, you know, to to not if you if you see an idea that you like. And again, know that in these junior mining stocks, it's it's a roll of the dice. It's it's a it's a, it's a high risk, low probability endeavor until more information comes out. You know, in the terms of drilling and all that other, you know, everything that's involved in getting a, a property from a mine from a from a piece of land, you know, a prospective project to being actually a mine or getting it into you know, de-risk to the extent that a, a large cap company looking to increase their reserves is willing to take a risk on it. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't look at the open interest and say, oh, no, there's a gold smash coming. I, you know, I don't want to buy this 20 cent stock because it might go to 15 cents. I mean, that's crazy. You're not, you know, we're, we're not going to be five cents right or wrong on these stocks. And that's why, you know, I don't recommend, except in certain cases, you know, overweighting or taking too large of a bet on a on a 20 cent junior mining stock or even a 50 cent junior mining stock. So, and I think it's just like, you know, if you if you if you're worried about a stock going from 20 cents to 15 cents after you buy it, you probably should be buying large cap stocks. <laughs> Dave, uh, selling a position when you're up, that is an issue I was considering today. I have a substantial position and I'm up 100%, so I'm asking myself, uh, what am I going to do? What what catalysts are on the upcoming that might cause it to rise further. Silvercrest, which you mentioned, you know, after this huge run up, if somebody's just learning about this company for the first time, what would be your analysis now after Silvercrest has run up? And you mentioned the the stock that you profiled in the mining stock journal that has already run up. Do you think Silvercrest has more upside in that stock you profiled? Would you be willing to share? And does that stock have any more upside? Sure. Um, well, we, I mentioned precipitate, precipitate, Hey, gold, I think in our, maybe our July, it was either when I came on your show in July or it might've been October, actually. Precipitate, they've got a, they've got a, a project that's a, that's a piece of property they were able to get a hold of that's adjacent to the Barrick Newmont. Well, yeah, Barrick Newmont, it used to be Barrick Gold Corp, it, the Pueblo Viejo mine down in the Dominican Republic, which, which is... It's one of the largest and most profitable mines in the world. And I think it's got 
I think it has a 15 or 20 million ounce resource. It's huge. And, and, and Precipitate was able, I, I guess Barrick tried to buy this piece of property. The, the property, Precipitate calls it Pueblo Grande. Um, and I guess Barrick tried to buy it from the owners or from the company that was looking to sell it. And uh, the company didn't like the way Barrick was treating them or, you know, there was bad blood there between the two and precipitate was able to pick it up. And, um, the geologists at precipitate, including the CEO, Jeff Wilson, who's a geologist, they think there's a good, they think there's reason to believe that part of the source of the mineralization that, that feeds the Pueblo Viejo mine and, and deposit, um, is underneath the Pueblo Grande property. And so, um, you know, and again, it's, <laughs> it's a roll of the dice, you know, it's, it's not even a 50, 50 proposition. It's much lower odds than that, but they've, they've done a lot of prep work. They've been able to raise some capital to fund them, uh, a drilling. I think, again, I, this is just from memory. The last time I chatted with Jeff, which is probably about four to six weeks ago, I think he said they were going to target maybe January for drilling for sure. In the first, quarter of 2020. And this is the type of thing where, you know, again, if they make a discovery and I, you know, the odds of that aren't, aren't great, but if they are able to make a discovery, I mean, this stock could go from, you know, it's, it's a 19 cent stock. When I mentioned it in, uh, on mining stock education, October it was at 11 cents. So it's run up 73%. And that's part of that's because of the, they were able to raise capital to fund the drilling and they've also identified with some pretty good geophysical data some good targets. And I think the market has has basically said, okay, we, we think the odds or the probability of a discovery being made on this property, especially given its pedigree being right next to Pueblo Viejo, has gone up. And so the market's repriced the stock at a higher level. When I was pounding the table in my mining stock journal on it, it was below 10 cents. I mean, we had some, we, we bought some, I think as low as seven cents. So, um, I mean, you know, so the stocks almost tripled, you know, at a point you got to take some, some money off the table on it. You know, if you, if you bought some down at 10 cents and it's doubled, I mean, I'd say take your investment out and let the rest ride. Right. You're basically, you basically got a free option now. <laughs> um, so in, in terms of back to, to Silvercrest metals, I mean, Silvercrest Metals, I mean, it's, again, nothing's guaranteed that it's ever going to make it to the finish line of being a mine. But it, it's, I think after uh, Juan Escipio, it's probably the highest grade project, at least in North America, for silver. I mean, the silver grades they're, they're hitting are just absurd. You know, there's <laughs> multi-thousand gram per ton intercepts in some of their latest drilling results, and they, they still have a a fairly significant part of the property to drill. Um, and SSR mining has, I think it's a nine, it's a 19% interest in the company. Maybe it's 9%. I forget, but at any rate, you know, I, they, they have a plan in place to put a mine in there and it's the same formula that these guys used with Silvercrest mines, right? It's the same, it's the same CEO and uh, Eric, Eric, fire or fear, however you say his name. Um, and, you know, they put it, you know, First Majestic didn't buy Silvercrest Mines until they had the mine up and running. And, it, and 
And um, yeah, I think at the time, I think maybe Silvercrest Mines had a resource of a, know, a couple hundred million ounces, and now I think it's like 300 million. It's you know so, and this property looks like it's going to be bigger than than the Silvercrest Mines, the Santa Elena property. So. Um, you know, it's got basically a $700 million market cap. Now, obviously there's, there's not a, it's not going to go up 10 times from here unless the price of silver goes to a hundred, in which case it could easily go up 10 times from here. But, um, I, I think you're looking at, for instance, like mag silver has, I don't know what the market cap is right now, but it's, it's, you know, a billion dollars plus or minus. And I don't see any reason why this project won't be valued on an equivalent basis at some point as mag silver. So, you know, it's, you still have, what's that, about 40% upside here and a lot less risk. I mean, it's going to, with, with Silvercrest now at this point, it's going to go, move up and down with the price of silver a lot more closely than it did when it was, you know, a penny stock. So, um, you know, if the price of silver, like last Last week, the price of silver jumped, and this stock ran. It was up over a dollar at one point in a day, and we, we took profits on some in-the-money calls that we had when it was over seven bucks, and it and then silver got hit and it fell back. So and it, now it's at six eighty-two. So I think it fell back down to around six. I don't know. I want to say like six thirty, maybe. And we actually added back to our position down there. So. Um, you know, if, if silver moves up over 19 over the next three to six months, which is a real possibility, I mean, the stock will be way over seven at that point. So, and they're doing so much drilling that, you know, in almost every time they release drill results, they have some, some of the, some of the holes have ridiculous silver values in them. Um, and, it, you know, right now I still think you're looking at a, at a significant upsize upside to the size of the resource versus I think their last I think their last 43101 showed maybe 90 million ounces and they're going to release an updated one I can't remember I updated it in my mining stock journal a couple issues ago for my subscribers and I think I think their next resource is going to come out this spring or something I think they had just released some drill results at the end of December that they wanted to try and get included in there so um I mean, this this is. I almost look at Silvercrest Metals as <laughs> I put it almost in the producing silver stock category. Although obviously it doesn't produce, and there's no guarantee that it ever will. But um, it, it, you know, th I like to think of it as like First Majestic, only with with a higher beta than First Majestic is the way I look at it. So, are you going to be focusing more on silver stocks this year, Dave? Um, if I find some good ideas, I mean, I kind of focus on. I get a lot of ideas emailed to me from subscribers and I come up with a lot of my own ideas just based on, you know, having been in this sector for almost 20 years. <clears throat> and um, sometimes some of the best ideas that I've come up with have come from subscribers. So, um, you know, Mineral Mountain Resources being one. Uh, but I uh, Again, I, I, I try to, you know, I spend a fair amount of time just looking for good silver ideas, silver stock ideas. And that brings up another point because there's been a handful of stocks that have like silver in the name or the company promotes themselves as a, a silver producer. And they, you know, but when you dig into the details of what they've of what they've got, you know, their resources, 
the bulk of their resource is silver equivalent. And a lot of times, especially with, with some companies down in Mexico where there's a lot of uh, uh, polymetallic deposits down there and mineralization, you know, you look at these things and it's like this, this is mostly lead and zinc. And, uh, you know, maybe zinc has good upside, but lead's going to be tied to the global economy and the price of lead's probably going to go lower. You know, it's not really a silver, it's not really a silver explorer. It's, it's, it's a lead and zinc explorer with some silver in the resource and they've restated the resource. So it's, it's in silver equivalent to attract investors. So you got to be careful with things like that. A winner that you had uh, featured in the Mining Stock Journal uh, this past year was Minera Alamos. That, so that stock is up significantly. Can you talk about when you recommended it? And this is another example. Does this stock still have upside? What's your perspective here? Yeah, I had a colleague that had been bugging me to look at it. And I finally got around to looking at it in July after it had run from roughly seven cents US up to 12 cents US. And I, you know, my initial, you know, I just kind of looked at the things I look at, you know, where the market cap is, where it's been. It's got, at the time it had, I don't know, 330 million shares outstanding, which, you know, I prefer to see new ideas. Although this was a new idea for me, not a new idea out there. I want to see, um, junior development companies with a, a lower share count outstanding. But, uh, you know, and that shouldn't be the only criterion. I mean, there's been plenty of stocks with hundreds of millions of shares outstanding that have had phenomenal returns. So anyway, I started digging into it and I, I spent a bunch of time on the phone with the CEO, Doug Ramshaw, and um, who I give him kudos for you know, a lot of a lot of mining company executives are out there and they're hyper promotional of their projects and their presentations and the way they present the projects. He's like the opposite of that. Like he's he's understated, you know, and a good example is that um, they're they're the PEA that they have on their on their Santana project that's going to start up in the as a mine in, in the third quarter of this year. Uh, it uses 1250 in, in calculating the net present value. And I, he also uses, I think he uses a seven and a half percent discount rate. I mean, most companies, if they wanted to like hype the stock, they'd, they'd put out a, a PEA or they'd redo the PEA using $1,500 gold and a 5% MPV. So um, kudos to him for, like I said, he's kind of the opposite of promotional. And I, I actually really like it. It's refreshing. Um but they've got a, a, a their Santana project, like I said, that's going to um, – it'll start producing in 2020. It's fully funded now. Um, if you, if you um, use – if you just take kind of their, uh, their startup production, you know, their first full year run rate, you know, it'll, it'll produce about 65,000 ounces of gold. And at $1,500 gold and an $800 all-in sustaining cost – which that price, that all sustaining cost will go down over time. It generates $45.5 million of free cash flow after all expenses. And I believe that also includes the um, Osisco royalties, um, NSR on the property, uh, and after, you know, required sustaining capital. So you're talking about, you know, it's going to generate $45 million of free cash flow, and the market cap of the stock is $80 million. And what is even more interesting about this is that 
if the price of gold goes to 2000 an ounce, then it's going to be generating close to $80 million in free cash flow, which is the market cap of the stock in one year. So uh, to me, that's it's an extraordinary value play. I mean, I think I think this has Graham and Dodd written all over it if, if they were still around and investing. So um, and then, you know, the cherry on top is that they have another project, the La Fortuna project, that's um, that's slated to start production in late 2021. And I'm, I'm, my guess is it'll start a, a little bit earlier than that. And um, that has a PEA with 1250 gold after tax and an MPV, um, you know, a discount rate of seven and a half percent. The MPV is seventy million dollars, so you're basically getting at two thousand dollar gold. You're getting Monera. You know, at today's price, you're 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 buying it. You know, the equivalent of one year of free cash flow, <laughs> and you're getting La Fortuna for free. So, um, you know, is is Monera going to be a ten bagger or a five bagger from here? No, I mean, it, there was a point in time when that was the case. If you'd gotten into it when it was well below 10 cents, then it, from there it was a five or 10 bagger. But I would say, you know, barring again, the price of gold and silver going lower from here, I would say this thing over the next 12 to 18 to 24 months easily has another double or triple in it, if not more, depending on what gold and silver do. And the five bagger or 10 bagger potential would come in if they successfully take the cash flow and then become a mid-tier eventually, right? That's where you could get a 10-bagger, but that's going to be more than two years out maybe. I don't know if there's a 10-bagger in that. I think they'd have to take the cash flow and buy another home run project is what they'd have to do. Um, I mean, I think this thing, I think the, the plan with the company as is is eventually to ramp it up to 150,000 ounces of production. But, you know, the the you got to also look at, the mine, the average mine life, or the mine life for each project. So, um, at you know, at some point, they they're going to have to find some more projects to start replacing it. But, um, you know, what I would say is ultimately there's a chance they might even start paying out a big dividend if everything goes according to to spec. One company, Dave, as we kind of conclude uh, that you mentioned last time we spoke in October was Fortuna. Do you have any update on Fortuna Silver? Sure. Um, so that stock's up 21% since I mentioned it on your show, and it's 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 run from the low threes. It's been as high as I think 4.30 in the last week, and um, it's it's trading at 4.04 right now. I mean, I think the easiest money's been made in that stock in terms of buying it as a contrarian play. Um, but uh, you know. It's it's going to it's going to vary more closely. You know, after it's now been up thirty three percent since it bottomed out, it's going to vary more closely with with the price of gold and silver. Um, and that that's probably going to be a bigger driving factor now than than um, any kind of uh, market inefficiencies with respect to what's going on fundamentally at the company. Um, you know, being able to capture any market inefficiencies. So, um, I, I mean, I think it's a good core portfolio holding, and I and I do think it, it's going to outperform a lot of its peers from here. But again, it's you know, it's it's a large cap producing stock, and it's already had thirty three percent upside in in a couple months. And so, um, 
I wouldn't be have a table pounding buy on it unless it gets hit hit again for some reason, which it could. It could release some more um, quarterly results that disappoint the market. Um, but you know, again, I, you know, I think it's one that you watch and if, if you see it get hit more than the market and there hasn't been any, you know, meaningful news event that caused the, 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 the sell off, I think, you know, I think you buy it on dips and, and sell some of it on rallies. And I should say that all the stocks that we're talking about and the insights Dave is sharing, he only shares these publicly after his subscribers have had the opportunity to get into these stocks after he shares the idea. Uh, with with that being said, Dave, any teasers you'd like to share about upcoming Mining Stock Journal? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's a good question because right now I'm, you know, I'm working on some some new ideas. I actually put another larger cap contrarian new idea play in two issues ago. And, and that stocks up probably about 12, 13% in the last month. So, or six weeks. Uh, and I think that one still has more upside. Again, it's going to contingent on what gold and silver do, um, over the next three to six months. But, um, I, you know, I left out a lot of stocks that I've, and I won't mention them because I haven't talked about them publicly and um, some of them have moved quite a bit and some of them haven't, but probably will. And, and so, you know, those those stocks get reviewed almost every issue, depending on whether or not they've had news flow, you know, because I publish every two weeks. So um, there's a lot of stocks that I haven't talked about that that still have massive upside in them. A lot of junior exploration stocks where, you know, good things are happening at the company. And the website is investmentresearchdynamics.com if you don't already know uh, Dave's website, but you go go there and you can easily at the top, just click Mining Stock Journal if you're interested in subscribing. Dave, as always, I appreciate your insights and thanks for talking about these companies with me today. I appreciate it. As always, it's my pleasure, Bill. I appreciate you having me on your show. I think it's, I think it's a, a benefit to people who wanna who want to invest, especially in the junior mining stock sector. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. 
I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.